0: 15, 1, 5. those of you who are into technology, I had a a notification that I had a software update this morning and uh, I had the choice of do I actually go for the software update and hope it's done, pray it's done before I have to preach or do I leave it and let it happen halfway through my preach. So I bit the bullet and, uh, praise God, we're okay. Um, Lord, I pray this morning that uh, you will speak your word to us. Lord, open our hearts, open our ears. Thank you, Lord, for so much you've already spoken into us this morning. Uh, Continue to bless us, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead me this morning. Uh, To bring uh, the words that you want to be brought, uh, not necessarily those that I think are the right ones. Amen. As I contemplated what God wanted me to bring this morning, I was taken to those first few verses in Romans. And I felt God speak to me about unity and how we, as the people in the family of God here in SCF, um, need to focus on that unity. And out of that unity, God will be glorified. So that's my main um, message this morning. But yesterday, ladies, as you were enjoying your conference and focusing on transformation Uh, and I believe my spies tell me uh, that you were focusing on transformation for you individually and as I as you were here in the conference God took me to an email that Paul Miller sent me Back in February of 2015. For those of you who are new to SCF, Paul Miller was uh, our apostle here at SCF. We always have somebody from outside the church who's speaking into us and making sure that we're staying on God's path. And uh, Paul Miller was our apostle at the time. And uh, so let me read from part of that email that Paul sent. The critical issue is what lies at the root. Jesus' words, without me you can do nothing, is not an overstatement, but exactly true. This points to the need for a deepening conviction of our personal and corporate, that's us collectively, dependency upon God, and therefore an intentional seeking of him in the light of it. It is a faith position whereby all we do in his name orbits around him rather than us orbiting around what we do. It may appear as a slight shift of emphasis, but it is foundational to God's manifest presence accompanying the vision. And he was talking about the vision that God has given to SCF. He then went on to say, George Otis Jr who produced the transformation videos and still works worldwide in seeing transformed communities in operation, has defined transformation as follows. And forgive me if you had this yesterday. I know nothing of the content that you had yesterday, but here we go. George Otis, Jr. Transformation. A transformed community is a neighborhood, a city or nation whose values and institutions have been overrun by the grace and presence of God. A transformed community is a place where divine fire has not merely been summoned, but it has fallen. A transformed community is a society in which natural, evolutionary and incremental change has been disrupted by invasive supernatural power. A transformed community is a culture that has been impacted comprehensively and undeniably by the kingdom of God. And finally, a transformed community is a location where kingdom values are celebrated publicly and passed on to future generations. So all we do in his name orbits around him rather than us orbiting around what we do. That's where we need to be in Christ. And a transformed community is a neighborhood, a city or nation, whose values and institutions have been overrun by the grace and presence of God. A transformed community is a place where divine fire has not merely been summoned, but it has fallen. Would you like to stand with me? And if you, uh, if you agree with what I'm about to pray, then just amen at the end. Let's just, you know, if that is touching your heart. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that, uh, for the words that you speak into us, not only through scripture, uh, but through the saints as well. And so Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this vision of a transformed community. Lord, I want that for us here in SCF. I want it passionately for the people here in Shirley and Solihull and everywhere that each one of us goes. So, Holy Spirit, bring your fire, I pray. Bring that fire that it might not just be summoned, but, Holy Spirit, that your fire would fall upon this place would fall upon us, your people, that we might be transformed as individuals, but Lord, that, we, that your community that you've put us in will be transformed as well. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. Take your seats. Wow. God's good. So there you were, all in your cosy conference here, and there was me being challenged at my desk as well, so that's good, isn't it? Um... Let me just find where we are. There we go. So Ben's already referred to uh, the vision wheel. And uh, my words today really are around this, this area of developing strong and deep disciples of Jesus. So our lives and witness bring praise to God the Father, and raise high the name of God the Son when we allow the love of Christ to flow in and through us. And behind me are the the detailed words that many of you who've been on the Joining the Church program will recognize uh, because these are the detailed words that God gave us around that heading. And uh, by the way, if you're new to SCF, We will be running a Joining the Church program, the next one which runs over two evenings, uh, and that will be in November, Uh, more of that next week. But are we ready? Are we willing to take up the opportunities God is presenting to us? He's presented those, those opportunities to us through prophetic words. He's spoken into us as elders to bring that vision. And as Ben talked about earlier, Now we now need to seek God together in unity to understand the detail of what he's asking us to do around each of those areas. As those words, those prophetic words have been brought to us, we've been reminded about how we, the people of SCF in the past, have let those opportunities slip by. That we've not come into the fullness of what God had for us. So are we content to miss out again? Are we content to stand at the bus stop and see the bus go by again? No. No, I don't think we are. Or are we ready to overcome the challenges, to step into the fullness of what he has for us, to constantly remind ourselves that being in God's will is the safest place to be. It's the most exciting place to be. It's where he wants us to be. It's where we're destined to be. But we can only come into that blessing if we're standing together. That each of us is standing together with Christ in our relationship with Jesus Christ and that we are closely connected to one another. That we're united within the body. Because that unity will bring blessing but it will also bring praise to God as well. So our lives and our witness will bring praise to God the Father and raise high the name of God the Son when we allow the love of Christ to flow in and through us. So that's the, uh, the text, my text for today. And uh, that's in the NIV UK version. And I'm going to read from that, uh, from that version. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give us the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we accept one another then just as Christ accepted us in order to bring praise to God. So, as I said earlier, the, the first thing is, is unity with Christ. And that unity with Christ starts to raise some individual fundamental questions, I believe, for us. Where is our identity? Are we defined primarily by. Our relationship with Christ. Is that our primary position of our identity? Or is it something else? Is my identity, was my identity of who I was at work? Is it my role within the church? Is it as a father? Is it as a husband? All of those things are good, but we need to have our identity firmly centred upon Christ. Is our identity as a Christian a source of joy, or is it a burden? Is it something that we, we do reluctantly? Is it something who we, that we are reluctantly? Are we investing in that relationship with Jesus? Is it important to us? I've got the great joy of having all my family together on Christmas Day. That is an amazing joy. As a father, as a father-in-law, as a grandfather and as a husband. That's an amazing joy. And that's something that we're investing in. There's plane tickets being bought. There's shifts being organized at work. All of those things are all happening in order that we can invest in that time together and we can make history together. We can make memories together. Are we willing to invest that same amount in our relationship with Jesus. Are we expectant to hear from God? Or are our prayers just a shopping list of requests? Do we take the time to sit and listen and hear from the God who speaks to us? To hear that Rima word for us today? Are we energised by being in that relationship with Jesus Christ or is it purely a religion? Are we the people who turn up on a Sunday here for an hour and a half or so and then go away and it's all forgotten out? Or is it something that's part of us? The other area that I mentioned is unity within the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We are the body of Christ. We are all part of it. But are we secure within our place within the body? Does each of us really know how important we are within that body or do we think I'm not really that important? Are we expectant to hear from God about things concerning the body? What do we do when we believe we've heard from God about something concerning the body? Do we sit there and think, nah. it's only little old me hearing from God. I'm not important. I'm not one of those people who goes upon the stage. Do we sit there and think, this is, this, this, is, this, this is worrying, this is concerning. I'm frightened. Or do we step out in faith and bring that word? And not only bless God, but bless our brothers and sisters as well. I know how blessed I am when people share their testimony. However small it might be, and insignificant perhaps to that person. When we give praise to God and say thank you for answering our prayers, then that's just a good thing to do, isn't it? It's a polite thing to do. When you're given a gift, it's polite to say thank you but it also blesses me when I hear other people know that their prayers have been answered. And have we really got that sense of connection within the body? Do I hurt when other people hurt? Do I rejoice when other people rejoice? Or do I feel a bit peevish? Why are they blessed and not me? Why have they got that and not me? Why are they in that relationship and I'm not. So, some questions there for us to ponder. First of all, about our unity with Christ. And secondly, our unity within the church. And if the Holy Spirit is prompting you around any of those questions, as those slides came up, if there was a bit of a, an ouch as you read any of those bullet points, or if there was a, wow, yes, I want that, as those bullet points came up, then there's a lot of us that would love to pray with you afterwards. So don't go away without having had Prayer around those questions that, I'd, uh, that I've put up there. And I certainly would love to play, pray with you afterwards. So I'm now going to do a bit of an exegesis, i.e., um, I'm going to unpack this scripture. And um, that will. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, then. Um, We'll, uh, we'll, I'm just going to unpack each of those sentences within that passage. And we're just going to go through it, uh, as, it as it is there in the, uh, in the passage. Bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This speaks to me of walking together of not getting ahead of those people who are, perhaps, struggling. It's, it's about deferring to each other. It's about loving each other in practical ways. It's about understanding when other people are finding things difficult. We all, we're all different, aren't we? And we all find Things easy, some things easy, another things not. Um, it's very easy to think, well, surely this is, this is simple. It's easy to understand or it's easy to do. And not, and not remember that for somebody else, that's not as easy as perhaps it is for us. Please our neighbours for their good to build them up. You've heard me preach on this many times. But when we speak to our brothers and sisters, are we speaking to our brothers and sisters because we have a burden that we want to unpack? Because we think that we need to tell them that, they, you know, that we have this anger burning within us? Or are we thinking, what's best for them? Am I telling them something because I want the best for them? Am I telling them, am I sharing with them in a way which is gonna be easy for them to understand and take on board? Or am I just sharing for my own benefit? What we can say can be true, but we can say it out of the wrong heart and it can be incredibly destructive. Knowing our Bible is incredibly important, but if it stays as head knowledge, then it's dry and academic, and it's a purely academic exercise. But it's only when we read our Bibles And we seek the Holy Spirit's guidance for how that scripture relates to us and how we put it into practice and how it impacts our lives that it actually becomes alive and real. Did I put the 2 Timothy one up there? Yes, I did. So there's the the, the famous 2 Timothy 3 scripture about all scriptures God breathed. And if you look at the for everything that was written and all scripture you'll see the words everything and all in both of those those references that's pretty explicit isn't it all scripture everything not just parts of it you know let's ignore that part because it's difficult but all of it is there and Have we got a teachable spirit? Are we willing and ready to hear from the Holy Spirit as we enter into scripture? Are we willing to hear from our brothers and sisters in Christ? Have we got that teachable spirit? Or have we atrophied? That's a great word, isn't it? And it means to sort of wither. So you, you're like an arm atrophies, it withers, it loses its ability. It was strong at one point, it was a strong right arm at one point, ready to do the body's will. And then it atrophies and loses its power. Have we become fossilised? Have we become frozen? Either out of hurt, and that's in many cases the root of these issues, or... Is it because we're comfortable and cozy and we're happy where we are at the moment? Do we have a spirit of inquisitiveness, of curiosity, of adventure, of wanting to know more? Do we really want to get into the scriptures and hear from God and for him to take us into those places that he's got for us? Are we willing to put our hand in the hand of God and walk forward and just trust him? for where we're going to go. Through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Nobody ever promised that it was going to be easy. Millions of our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering acute persecution today simply because they're called by the name of Jesus Christ. Many of our brothers and sisters around the world have not only lost everything that they had once, but they've lost it twice or even three times. And yet they still praise God. Nobody said it was gonna be easy. we're all called not only to endure through the hard times, but to encounter God more closely in those hard times. I remember vividly driving down to the Robin Hood roundabout one day on my way to work, and God saying to me very clearly that up until that point, he'd given me mentors and coaches who had looked after me But I was no longer to put my faith in princes. But I had to put my faith in him. And he took me through some incredibly hard times. But I came out of it the stronger and saw his pattern in it. But it all takes self-discipline. And uh, in years gone by, um, when I was running 60 miles a week, uh, Brendan Foster was my great hero. Um, many of you remember Brendan Foster. He, um, he broke the world record for two miles. He was an Olympic athlete over 5,000 and 10,000 meters. Um, and I remember Brendan Foster saying that Olympic medals are won in the dark and the rain on the lonely miles in the middle of winter when nobody's watching. That takes discipline. And he's from the northeast, so he knows about rain and dark. (laughs) are we willing to put that same discipline into into our lives and into pursuing Jesus Christ? And I, I also add the the pleasure of spending time with an Olympic rowing coach and uh, he said to me that you never get a medal at the Olympics unless you can imagine yourself standing on the podium if you can imagine yourself standing on that podium and keep that in your mind you can drive towards that vision have we got that vision of standing with Jesus in glory and in saying, well done, my true and tested servant. Have we got that vision to stand on that podium with Jesus Christ and receive that medal around our neck? What we hope for maintains us through the dark nights of our soul. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had. It's amazing to think that God loved me before I even knew he was there. God loved me so much even as I was knitted together in my mother's womb. And he loves us all, whoever we are, whatever we've done, wherever we are. He loves us all. And as I go out into Solihull, and I see the guy sitting there with his sleeping bag in the high street, It's good to remind myself that God loves him as much as he loves me. And he wants the best for him as much as he wants the best for me because we're all made in God's image. And his heart is that every single one of us should enter into that relationship with him because the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That talks about being united with Christ individually, as I said earlier, that common sharing in the the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, being like-minded and being in one spirit and of one mind. That's a beautiful picture of being united together as the ecclesia, but also as having that unity with Jesus. So that we might bring glory to God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit not only individually but collectively as well. I'm going slightly off piste, but God dropped this into me as I was preparing, so I'm going to bring it. God took me to Romans 14:22, 23, which isn't up there, but if you've got it in your Bibles, you might just like to turn to it. Paul, writing to the Romans, says, "'Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself "'by what he approves, "'but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, "'because their eating is not from faith, "'and everything that does not come from faith is sin.'" Now, specifically, Paul was referring to what people ate, and within the Jewish culture, religion, What they ate, who they ate with, was hugely important. But I think there's a general principle here too about we can bring disunity into the church and we can bring the name of Jesus into disrepute by what we approve, either explicitly or implicitly. Similarly with our actions, if those actions don't come from the prompting and assurance of being guided by the Holy Spirit. Then we're going against the will of God upon our life and hence we are sinning. And Paul says quite quite clearly that for some people eating one type of food is good and for other people it's not so we need to weigh this carefully that god speaks to us as individuals but also as a body of believers coming together to collective, collectively hear his voice strengthens our faith and ensures that we as the body remain in alignment with his will there's something about coming together in unity and seeking god together that allows us to maintain the right path forward. There's something about God speaking to us all as a body and as all saying amen to a message that God is bringing that keeps us on the straight and narrow. Accepting one another, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What right have I got? What gives me permission to look down on that guy in the sleeping bag in... ...Soliol High Street? What gives me the right to think that had my circumstances been different, I wouldn't have been that same guy in that sleeping bag? What gives me the right to look down on somebody who Jesus Christ loves and who is made in the image of God. We also follow, as, as Christians, we follow in a long tradition and we could, we could all name lots of names. of brothers and sisters who've stepped out in faith and have transformed their communities through the love of Christ. We stand on their shoulders And we as SCF have seen the beauty and the amazing gift that being in harmony brings. But we've also seen the hurt and the pain that disunity brings as well. So our lives and our witness, as we... Reach out into our community. The community lunch is a great example of SCF, bringing that love of Christ in a practical way into our community. And that gives us the right over time as we build relationship to start to impact people's lives. So... Coming to a close, our lives and our witness bring praise to God the Father and raise high the name of God the Son when we allow the love of Christ to flow in and through us. True unity in Christ and unity in the church will outflow and manifest itself in us when we're walking alongside one another, when we're putting each other first, when we're applying scripture in our lives and it's making a difference in our lives. When we have that discipline and that commitment to seek after that podium prize. When we have the mind of Christ, when we glorify God and when we accept one another. So what next? I believe that we all need to make ourselves accountable to someone else, whether that's within our home groups, whether that's in a triplet, whether it's a friendship that we have. Um, Over the coming weeks, there'll be lots of opportunities to come together in prayer. God will speak into us, but we need to prepare ourselves spiritually before each of those sessions in order that we, we are in that unity with Christ as we come together. And it's not boring, it's not hard, it will be hard work, but it's exciting. So let's get excited, let's be joyful, let's have the joy of Christ in us. Come on. And let's move forward in that unity, but also in joy. Let's not be those miserable neighbours who are always finding fault who are always whinging. Let's be those people who smell the rose in the middle of the farmyard. So, there's some coffee table questions for home groups. And um, as I finish, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless you all as you go. Let's thank Craig for all his hard work.